Welcome to We Gotta Talk, a live weekly talk show and podcast where we like to dig deep. From health to relationships to alternative lifestyles and more, the one thing you will always get is a deep dive. I'm Sunny, a 15-year veteran of TV news, freelance writer, blogger, mom of three, and wife. But most of all, I'm just a die-hard oversharer, someone who's genuinely curious about, well, everything around me. And I can't wait for you to join in on these conversations that I promise will impact, inspire, and entertain you. Now, let's talk. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of We Gotta Talk with Sunny. I'm Sunny, and I'm so grateful that you're here for today's juicy episode, which I promise you will not only be um, very entertaining, but also very informative. We're talking sexual health, intimacy, sexual well-being with Zoe Kors, who is a sought-after thought leader of intimacy and sexuality. She is also a contributor to the sexual wellness app, Coral. So we'll dive into what that is as well. You are watching this live on Facebook or YouTube. If you're listening to the audio, which comes out every Thursday, I encourage you guys to go back and check out the video stream of this one because uh, producer Rachel and I are, are incorporating a lot of visual elements into the show because why not? You know, if we're recording this on video, we should have some fun with it. So if you're listening, definitely check it out. We're going to be referencing some things that you'll be seeing on your screen. This will not be a safe conversation for children in the car. So pop in those earbuds. That's what I do every time I get in the car. Put in my earbuds, listen to my podcast while my kids watch their TV. So anyway, before we get to Zoe, we, as always, like to do a little roundup, things that are relevant to the topic that we're discussing. So I'm going to bring in producer Rachel for what I think, Rachel, um, is going to be one of the most... What's the word I'm looking for? Maybe entertaining articles we've ever showed on We Gotta Talk? For sure. When I found this, I was like, oh boy, I'm so grateful for modern technology and that I'm alive today. <laughs> I know, right? Yes, ladies, you're going to be grateful. You'll know what we're talking about in a second. But I was like, you know, we're talking about sex and good relationships and that very important side of intimacy today. Like, let's like talk about like what, you know, sex toys might have been like back in the day. And Rachel was like, on it, ding, ding, ding. So you got to bring this video up. Roll that tape, Rachel, because this is insane okay so this article oh my god this article is from red book magazine so we have to shout out the source here so sex toys have been around for two thousand years at least on record and according to this and i'm sure once we bring zoe in she might have a little more information but they used bronze i mean we've heard about like today with like glass like glass dildos and things i've never heard of that that sounds like an a walking er trip like what you know i feel like i learned so much about sex from the show sex in the city and like the rabbit which is also on this list but like (laughs) hold on so that's the bronze dildo which how many years ago oh my three thousand by the way, did you see that one? It said it was found in a tomb. This woman loved it so yes. she buried, <laughs> buried herself with it. Well, they oh, would like, yes. I guess, according to this, they said that it was part of like keeping their energy in their chi. So they, this is a butt plug. I don't even know if we're allowed to say that, but we're saying that because <laughs> you know what? All of these things people have used, I would, I would highly believe in some way, shape or form throughout yes. their life. Wait, let's hop in there and say 
good sex, a good sexual relationship with your partner is a huge part of your mental and physical well-being. This is not a taboo topic, right? We not have at all. We're talking about talking about this because while bronze dildos are funny looking, um, it's an indicator that this has always been something that people have, you know, wanted to find more about. Um, this is, I think, made out of wood. There's one that was made out of wood that I found. Could you imagine starting this bad boy up with steel <laughs> to like really let yourself get going? I mean, a you hand crank vibrator. Yeah, like, okay, I was gonna say, read out what they are for people who are oh, listening. Yes. yes, sorry. This just looks like something out of Doug's okay. shop at Back you know, to the Future, like, you know? It looks like a, a giant mouse trap with like a, some, a pot set on top of it. And it wait, scroll back down. It's called the steam powered manipulator, known as the first hand crank vibrator ever created. It was the 1869, I think it said. And a yeah. guy came up with it, of course, because yeah. this doesn't look like it makes any sense. You know, I like we laugh and like this was back when they called it hysteria, right? It was like the hysteria in women with sexual frustration. Um, but like, do you think they laughed about this? Like, they saw this and they giggled in 1869 and they were like, hey, we're talking about a sex toy or is that just a today thing? I don't know. I mean, I think it's always been a little taboo, right? I mean, it's yeah. the most private of acts. And I think people are uncomfortable, like, especially women are sometimes a little uncomfortable owning that side of themselves. Mm -hmm. But we can't be because if you want... And, and especially as we're like learning more about our bodies and we're raising daughters who we want to be aware of their boundaries and understand themselves. Like we have to talk about this because our bodies are not something to be ashamed of, nor are they something to run from. And I think we're finally in our generation getting away from that concept that our bodies are to be hidden and they will tempt people to do bad things if we show them. No, we are who we are. Bodies are both, you know, erotic and not. They're both beautiful. And sometimes you don't want anyone to touch you and that's okay too. I mean, like there's it's just such a nuanced conversation that I'm just so glad we're we're talking about it. Anyway, what is this? This is a hairdryer. It does look like a hairdryer. It's the Polar Cub electric vibrator. So stylish in mint green. This looks a little bit more like a neck massager or even those modern day uh, like physical exercise leg hammer pounder machines. I don't know what those are called. Right. But... Like a handheld massage device, except yes. it's like weird... Um, like a cluster of like little plastic things on the end. like a hairbrush on the end. Nothing you want to think of more than a polar bear when you're getting busy with yourself. <laughs> this one and the photos that go with it are very much like what we were talking to Zoe about before we started. So we'll have to reference that, yeah. but you know, not getting flagged on social media and having to come up with creative ways to talk about sex. Um, this has a photo of of people massaging their face in their head when we know this, this is not what this aids health and beauty. <laughs> okay. Okay. Keep a couple more here. The rolling pin heat massager. It does look like a rolling pin and it, except it plugs into something and it, it produced heat and vibration so that you could give your body an incredible quote massage. Right. Ooh. Okay. So this okay. 1940s is the Hollywood vibratone or it looks more like the modern day handheld 
plug in the wall vibrator that you've seen from Sex in the City that Samantha uses so famously and it dies and she goes to the uh, sharper image and it's like, my vibrator's broken. And he's like, that's not a vibrator. That's a neck massager. And she's like, <laughs> my neck massager. Is broken. <laughs> oh, I told you, I learned a lot from that show. Maybe not. I'm sure Zoe has some thoughts on whether that was beneficial or not to my health. But my anyway, it was informative. This is something that straps on the back of your hand and it's called a Stimulax for Barbers, a vibrator you strapped onto the back of your hand to deliver powerful sensations wherever it was placed. Hey, I think men would be into that. I mean, yeah. Like they could assist the ladies. That, that would be a less uh, right. threatening way to assist and then today, they of course have a photo of the infamous rabbit. Right. Oh, story. this was amazing. Thank you for bringing this visual to life for us. Um, I mean, what a long way we've come, baby. How far we've come. I just got to say, it was such a thrill that I was like, I can show whatever vibrators on this show that my heart desires and nobody is going to tell me no or be mad at me in this is like the first show or anything I've ever been able to freely talk about it and it's liberating um is I know well you know I was like oh no what if Sunny asks me about my first time with a sex toy or something. And I was like, I don't know if I'm ready to share that. Are you ready to share that? Rachel, by all means, girlfriend. <laughs> then I was like, I don't think I want to be the Chelsea Handler of the world, just like talking about how she first discovered her sexual self and in, in her books, which she does. I'm like, I think I'm going to leave something to be desired and save it for the book. But I will say that I, I got my first sex toy was gifted at a much longer story, but um, I was a judge at a strip contest when I lived in New Orleans in college. There's like these very famous stripper contests that go on um, and they travel, they make a lot of money. And I and my college roommate at the time were judges on the panel because they needed women. And in our parting bag, we got like all this stuff. Um, so yeah, so honestly, I think it's really important for women and men to figure out what works for them themselves first. And I think that's where sex toys really come into, to, can come into play and are, um, can can work really well for people and then you can have a healthier relationship but i will let zoe share the expertise but that's my opinion yeah rach i am with you i love you so much and I, we need to talk more about this experience after we're off the air judging the show because i feel like i can it was amazing be with your little producer like no book and like you're like mm, angle of the thin eight out of ten <laughs> i was i was like her dancing skills were seven. I know. And like her, but because that's like the categories, like I was actually supposed to judge these women and they had, I'll never forget. I'm sorry. I'll leave you with this. There was a woman who came out with a kiddie pool in the middle of the stage and they brought out a table with all this stuff. And she came out and she was painted, body painted like Tony the Tiger. And she had like tiger ears and a tail. And so she comes out and she's dancing and doing her thing. And then she gets in the kiddie pool and we're like, what is she going to do? And she starts pouring milk and frosted flakes on her body. Oh. <laughs> 10 points for creativity. 
but like sexual for me was like a five. Like five. It's like a negative. What is the association there? There's some childhood issues I think that need to be explored with Ms. I mean Tony the Tiger. She's a stripper, so I'm sure she's seen a lot. And I wouldn't be surprised if she got inspired from one of her clients, if you will. Oh my God. Yeah, anyway, like, I got yeah. stories for days. And that's why <laughs> with this topic, I was like, ooh, Rachel, you better rein it in. And remember, you are alive and not overshare everything with Sunny on air. And <laughs> there will be a time. There will be a time we can do this when I'm my family are out of school and I don't have to worry about the weird looks and the pick of Exactly. Let's let Zoe bring Let's in the real expertise. Okay. 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 We'll see you on the back end, perhaps, of the interview. We'll bring you back in. Thank All you right. so much. All right. Oh, my God. I knew this was going to be good right off the bat, right? Let's bring in Zoe. As I said, Zoe is a sought-after thought leader of intimacy and sexuality, the resident sex and intimacy coach on the app Coral, which we will discuss at some point. Zoe, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. So much fun. I'm so excited to be here. You have heard many stories, but have you heard a story of a woman covering herself in frosted flakes? No, that's a first. <laughs> oh, that's that's so a first. Um, I want to kind of introduce this topic um, and, and sort of the inspiration behind why we dedicated a whole week on We Gotta Talk to sexual health and wellness and well-being. Um, it was kind of touching into what Rachel said when we were chatting, which is, I have found that satisfaction with other people, and this is platonic or romantic relationships, often starts with understanding ourselves first. And when I put this topic out on social media, I heard back from people who have trouble with their sex lives that seem to stem back to not knowing themselves. So when we talk about sexual health and well-being, I really want to get into that core issue first, which is how much of knowing ourselves, understanding our bodies is ultimately having a good sexual relationship with our partner. Yeah, um, you got it exactly right. And it's something that we are conditioned to feel isn't important or doesn't exist or uh, we shouldn't do. And um, and it leads to, um, you know, a, an overall unhealthy sex life really for our whole lives. It's something we don't talk about. We don't feel like we should talk about or make the focus of our wellness plan. So um, yeah, it, it, it's impossible to have a great sex life if you don't, if you're not comfortable in your skin and know the instrument that you're working with. Where do you see most women getting it wrong when it comes to um, understanding themselves and therefore having a better sex life? Um, I think that um, it's such a good question. I, I think that what women get wrong is that um, they don't understand the way their bodies work. Um, I think by and large in this culture, we are taught about sexuality and our own bodies through pornography. Um, and pornography doesn't always display a, a sort of normal sexual response in a woman. So we feel, we start out feeling, comparing ourselves to what we see in pornography and it's not accurate. We end up feeling like there's something wrong with us that, you know, we're not instantly lubricated or instantly turned on uh, by, you know, what is sort of typically playing out on the screen. And, and you know, men, um, see the same thing. So there's sort of an overall misunderstanding of how our bodies work and how our bodies should look. Yeah, that it was. that's a big, I don't want to say concern is a strong word because 
there are more immediate things to be worried about. But um, Rachel and I did an interview a while back with a man who specializes in addiction to pornography. And the interest in that topic is to see how it can decimate relationships, yeah. right? strange expectations and things. Uh, let me ask if you think, can pornography used in the right scenario with the agreement of whoever's involved be a good thing, which I know the answer is yes, but how do we, we can't control what our partner has done before they met us, right? And sure. these expectations, especially in heteronormative relationships where the men have had, you know, because it's usually the guys who are consuming more of that. So sometimes as a woman, it feels like we're going into a relationship and they have this whole thing in their minds and we're like, actually, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> yeah, right. So uh, are you are you asking how do we talk to uh, men in this culture if we're yes number in, one number two what do you say to women to help them break down that fantasy that so many men have um, I think look it, it's there's no easy answer here I I think that what you what we have to do as women is take ownership of our bodies exactly as they are. Um, surround yourself with sex positive and women positive um, people and media. And, you know, there, there are great books out there. I'm in the middle of writing a book um, that will be out in March, 2022, but there's Emily Nagoski, her book, uh, Come As You Are, is incredible. So educate yourself about your own body, play with your body, get to know exactly how it works, um, embrace how it looks, how uh, other women's bodies look. And once you're comfortable in your own skin, then you can, and you're in a, a, a loving, caring relationship with a partner who is curious, uh, who wants to bring you pleasure, who's who views sex as not just something that you're doing for him, but, um, but for you as well, as part of, of the intimacy of the relationship. And then just, you know, talk about it, deconstruct the whole thing, how we're, how we're conditioned and what it's really, what's really going on and, um, and how to create incredible pleasure and bonding experience through sex. Give us a first good line for someone who wants to start that conversation, who knows that they're, relationship needs to be improved in that way and is concerned that there are some strange fantasies that are kind of getting in between them and their partner. What's a good opening line for that conversation? Yeah, I, I would say, you know, I, 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 dear one, I love our sex life. I love our, I love, you know, what we're, what we're doing in bed. I love being close to you. I love being naked with you. I love these other things in our relationship, but I really want to um, explore the, the full range of sexuality. I want to, I want to talk about our bodies and I want to talk about what feels good. And I want to talk about the topic of sex and uh, our cultural influences and, and really sort of invest in that part of our relationship. Is how often is therapy seeing an outside, you know, neutral third party part of the solution? And let me add on to that question by asking how many people, how common is this issue? And like, because I know you work directly with people to sort of make things better. So I kind of am trying to make people feel a little less alone if they think yeah. in a similar spot. So it's a yeah. 
fairly common thing, right? To, to be unmatched at some point in your relationship with your partner, right? Oh, I want to say 100% of couples deal with some degree of um, desire discrepancy or some, some facet of sexual dissatisfaction um, or, or an area that could be improved. Um, I, I have not met anybody who, um, I, there's a somatic therapist that I know who says every woman has a problem with her vagina. Um, and every couple has something that could be cleared or improved or um, or enhanced in their sex life. It just is. And and the reason why is because we don't talk about it. You know, if we have you know, if we have some sort of financial hurdle, um, we talk about it and we work it out and we make a plan and we strategize if we are sick or have some sort of a chronic physical unwellness, we go to a doctor or a physical therapist or an acupuncturist, or we invest in ourselves in that way. Um, but we, we just don't do it with sexuality. So yeah. Why? I mean, I, I, I kind of know this and that article that we just showed at the beginning of this, yeah. where we're showing these sex toys and the strange names that people would come up with for them. So I want to ask why you think, it's so hard for us to own this part of ourselves. Um, you know, I, I think there are, I think it all goes back to, <laughs> I mean, this is probably the topic of a whole other show, but it goes back to um, the sort of religious underpinnings and, um, and controlling people. I think that this is a really, look, we, you know, we, we talked about sex addiction or you mentioned uh, porn addiction. And one of the other things that I do is I work with Center for Relational Healing in Los Angeles, which is a therapy group, a group of therapists who specialize in sex and love addiction. Um, and so, you know, it, the pleasure in the way that we experience with sex through sexuality and sexual expression is... Um, it's delicious. It's, you know, mind expanding, consciousness expanding, um, and it's empowering. And so there's, um, you know, you could sort of trace back the sort of sociological history of sex and sexuality, but um, for women to be sexually empowered threatens social structure of a patriarchy. So, um, you know, and again, like that's a whole rabbit hole to get into, but there is something really threatening about sexually empowered women. And to dig in, just give me a little nugget, give me a little juiciness on that topic. Because well, right. It's there is an energy that when, whether women are empowered professionally, personally, sexually, that it is threatening to people. I just don't know why, because from an outsider's perspective, when people feel fully encompassing of the space that they own, it, it seems like it would only be a good thing for everybody. Involved. Yeah. And, and it is in some respects, but now we're so, it's so protracted. The, the sexual shame is so protracted that, um, that it's wrapped up in more than just empowering women. Now we have, um, we have all kinds of messages that we've sort of internalized about, um, 
feeling pleasure and in and indulging that part of ourselves and i mean that's really rooted in religion um but i think you know i'm gonna say this there's a and this kind of goes back to my tantra roots um but it but it applies it's not just for you know sort of mystical practices it really applies to the way we show up in society so Masculine energy is linear, focused, rational, um, goal-oriented. That's a, a sort of, you know, yang, when you look at yin-yang. And, and I don't mean masculine and feminine uh, gendered, you know, in terms of like men are this way, women are this way. We all have masculine and feminine energy. Um, but the feminine energy that, that, we sh that, that we show up with is... Um, expansive and spontaneous and chaotic and intuitive and, and the opposite of rational and and uh, intellectual. So there's a sort of a, a and, and that's why, you know, we often say that uh, we have phrases like women's intuition and um, that women are part of like the motherhood and, and you're a mother and I am too, that sort of like intuitive eyes in the back of your head sort of thing. Um, we're good at multitasking. Um, and there's there's neuroscience that supports that, that our brain is constructed in a way that we can have multi points of focus simultaneously, whereas a male brain that's, that's immersed, that's bathed in testosterone in the womb is formed in a way that the neurotransmitters are, are much more designed for singular focus. Mm -hmm. um, so the, the, I think, you know, on sort of this biological level and the way that women and men, heteronormative, typical uh, women and men are sort of process the world, women's expansive, chaotic, emotional, intuitive nature freaks out the patriarchy who is very linear, very risk averse, um, you know, and I think that's, that's reflected to some extent in bed, you know, in the world of sexuality, women's sexuality is, is very different than men's. In the words of Beyonce, I don't think you're ready for this jelly. <laughs> yeah. All right. We are. No, we are powerful. Yes. I'm just, I'm co-signing so much of this and just nodding my head. And I would love to dive into that maybe in another day um, because it is an important part as much as we are in an era of recognizing that there are false boundaries, accepting that there are um, lanes that we are biologically born into or attuned to. And that embracing that is not shameful. you mentioned, um, you know, the power of intuition and uh, multitasking. I, I personally agree with you that women tend to be better at those things and there's nothing wrong with embracing what nature is doing anyway. So. Well, I, and I just, I, I would be remiss if I didn't say that um, there's nothing wrong with a, a very linear focused woman who doesn't multitask either, mm -hmm. you know? So it's, we're, we're just sort of talking about the history, vast swaths of humanity during various periods of of history, you know, and, and how things sort of 
social perceptions, cultural perceptions and norms get formed over time, but. Sure. Okay. Well, we have so many juicy questions. So yes. you submitted, we're going to get just like two more quick questions so we can get through Zoe before we get to these amazing questions. Um, tell us quickly what someone will get when they work with a sex therapist and how they know if that's a good move to make in their relationship. Yeah. A sex therapist or a sex coach um, will help to unravel the things that influence the way you're experiencing your sexuality right now. So if, it, if you're working with someone um, as an individual, then you're looking at the way you think about sex. So, you know, the, the things that have influenced you that form your internal perceptions of your own sexuality, your body, um, and what truths um, you've internalized what messages you've in internalized as your own truths that mm -hmm. aren't necessarily truths. Right. Um, and so there's that sort of shifting your perception and at the same time, um, working with the body to sort of explore and rewire and, and plug back in all of the, um, sort of s neurobiology that's been numbed or dampened, um, or confused. And when people walk away from a period of time spent working with a coach, do they, I mean, is it automatically they're, you know, hundred percent better? Do they often see improvements in their relationships with their partners? Oh yeah. If you know, look, I have people that show up that don't really want to do the work that just want to feel better. Right. Um, and that, you know, but like with any therapy of any kind, whether it's physical or, uh, you know, a, a psychologist or a sex therapist, um, what you put into it, you get out of it. And the more you're willing to be uncomfortable mm -hmm. in the name of transformation, the, the better the results. So yes, I mean, ultimately, my clients, uh, some of them save their marriages, some of them um, get over a lifetime of body shame. Some men are, you know, overcome erectile dysfunction um, or premature ejaculation. And, um, you know, there, there's, it's just, a, some couples separate after sort of pretending that they want to still be married, you know, and, and sort of sometimes that's what that comes to. But, um, you know, it's all in the name of truth and honesty and authenticity in the end. Love it. Okay, let's get to these amazing questions. Huge shout out to my amazing group of Instagram friends who just like brought it good with these questions. So we'll try. We have a bunch, Zoe, and I would like to get through as many as we can. So they okay. have to be super, super detailed unless you feel the need to. But of course, we'll do our best to get everything in we can. Okay, this one is very apropos for the time we are in. I started dating during the pandemic, she says. My boyfriend and I were friends first and had crazy sexual tension. However, now that we are together, our sex life is not so spicy. We've never actually been on a date because of the pandemic. How do you transition from friends to partners and how do you keep your sex drive up during this not so sexy time? It, yeah, very, very good question. And I'm sure there are so many listeners that um, and followers that have this question. Um, you know, uh, uh, there's the key to, to sexual tension, um, as your questioner asked, um, the, the key to sexual tension is to create a certain degree of mystery and excitement. So we tend to think that we like 
need to know everything about each other. And that's, that's love talking. You know, you want to know your partner, you want to, you want to know everything about them, but sexual tension is uh, born from a, a, a certain amount of mystery of discovery of like, who is this person? So especially during the pandemic, when we spend so much time together, it's important to create a certain amount of space and, um, and to play that role of sort of romancing each other and wooing each other and seducing each other. And that can be, um, that can happen like over time, you know, all through the day, foreplay all day, but you just have to create that intention to do that. And I have a lot of tips and tricks, but um, to do that, you know, but that's like sexting each other, leaving, like, give us a couple quick takeaways for people who want to like get this going. Yeah. I think that, um, you know, we can't go out on a date. Most of us don't go out on dates during this time. Um, mm -hmm. but you can set up a, a special event and, and take a, like, like do a cooking class together, cook dinner together, you know, join masterclass and, get Gordon Ramsay on the line and, and get into the kitchen and, and cook dinner together. Um, or, you know, decide to order in, set a table, set it with candles, go get dressed separately, come together, you know, and, and have a, a proper date. Um, and, you know, there are a lot of questions there are card decks. There's an article in New York times and we actually put this in, in the app coral, which we'll touch on later, 36 questions to make you fall in love with anybody. So take, take conversation and questions like that intimacy building questions and, um, and don't talk about the pandemic and don't talk about politics and don't talk about paying bills and really draw a line in the sand and, you know, just sort of adopt the attitude of curiosity like you're on a first date. I love that. I love that. I'm marking that sound bite down. Hold on. Okay. <laughs> the next question, I'm going to add in a couple words here because I don't know if something was missing. It, it says, are threesomes in life? Like, I guess that means like, do they have Yeah. Yeah. And how much sex is too much? Um, okay. I'm going to start with the second question first. Um, how much sex is too much? There is no, some couples have, have sex once a month and they do it and they love it and it's great and it's nurturing and that's what is works for them. Some couples have sex once a day, twice a day. I mean, it, it, it and that's normal and healthy for them. So there's an enormous range of how much sex. And um, I want to just sort of normalize the, the phenomenon that you have sex every day for a while and then you don't have sex for a while and then you have sex again for a while frequently. So it, there's a whole sort of continuum of normalcy in the world and within your relationship. Um, the, what, when it becomes too much, it's distracting. It's interfering with your life outside of the bedroom. That is when you have to look at, you know, whether or not you have some sort of compulsive sexual behavior as individually or as a couple. So, um, so that's, that's that. Um, threesomes happen in real life all the time. Um, they can be wonderful and they can destroy a relationship. It, it requires a lot of uh, conversation and soul searching and it should be something if you're in a relationship it needs to be something that you do together and you understand why you're doing it and you set 
boundaries or rules ahead of time so that you create a really strong container to relax into. I um, feel like that is something that is the key there. I, you know, and I think about, gosh, like that's not for me, but not, there's no judgment, but it, there's just no way that I wouldn't sucker punch. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like someone, but that's just me. But I'm curious if you've heard from couples in relationships who have done that and were surprised at how they reacted, whether or not they thought they'd be cool and they weren't, or they thought they weren't be cool, wouldn't be cool. And they were. Yeah. That happens all the time. Yeah. It happens all the time. For the, that's why I say like, this is something that shouldn't be rushed into. You should right. explore. And, and there are ways of, um, you know, creating a, a situation that's not uh, as threatening as it could be, you know? Mm -hmm. um, All right, perfect. Yeah. I went off the list. And next question is interesting. Is it normal to have sex and not be satisfied? And I'm assuming this is from someone with a partner in a long-term relationship. Um, it is, you know, normal, it's common. It's yeah. definitely common. And again, that comes back to knowing yourself, knowing what you need, what your body needs, and then communicating that with a partner. Um, it's also possible that um, if you, if, you know, if you've suffered some sort of trauma mm -hmm. in the past, um, and there's a real disconnect there and you're dissociating, um, then yeah, I mean, that's that's not uncommon either. And that can be overcome as well. You just need professional help for that. That's separate therapy, that's an individual thing, right? That you work through. Because I'm seeing yeah. a person coming in live now and she's saying, I have trouble having sex because of endo, endometriosis and yes. being raped, which is awful. Um, how can she help? So that what I'm hearing you say is address that as an outside of the bedroom. Yeah, and and there are, I mean, in the case of trauma like rape, I mean, that's a very specific um, and a very specific sort of set of circumstances and trauma that, that there are trauma modalities. Um, EMDR is great, brain spotting is great to help to process those memories and move them around in your, you know, in your brain actually, so that they're processed not in by the amygdala, you know, not in a sort of knee jerk tr trauma reaction. Endo is a whole other thing, um, really difficult to deal with. Um, the pain of endometriosis is not fun. Um, so there are vaginal physical therapists, um, and there are a lot of um, sort of alternative healing have some really wonderful methods of dealing with endometriosis. So acupuncture, uh, a functional medicine doctor and uh, a pelvic physical therapist and a good trauma specialist. And all those things will help to put the pieces back where they should be. How about this question? Can a marriage survive without emotional intimacy? Um, you know, it, it depends. You could have two very emotionally distant and contained partners who, um, strike a balance for themselves. Um, I think that there's, there generally in my experience, emotional intimacy is, um, required for the, for the longevity of a healthy relationship.
Right. As a side note, I know that I sent you a list of questions that we featured on the blog. So if you guys go to wegotatalk.com, click on blog or slash blog, um, those five questions are there. And there was a specific question that I had asked about um, how we can sometimes confuse and inflate intimacy and sex. Um, can you just spend a very brief amount of time talking about how they're distinct and why we need to um, sort of cater to each? Yeah. Um, so it's this again is not an easy answer and I know we're just touching on this, but um, my, the book that I'm writing actually right now is called radical intimacy. And there are, I define three kinds of intimacy specifically emotional, physical, and energetic, what I call energetic intimacy. And there are three levels of intimacy with self, with other, and with the world. So sex is one form of physical intimacy. Um, and, and, but when we look at intimacy as a broad topic, um, it, you know, we can be intimate, we can have a moment of intimacy with someone in the elevator, we can have a moment of intimacy with ourselves that is physical that doesn't involve sex. Mm -hmm. um, there are sort of nine different areas of intimacy that can be cultivated. Sex is one kind of one of those nine. Um, it you know, I think we are social creatures. And when we are in relationship, that's a, you know, I call relationship the self, the, the boot camp of self-realization. Mm -hmm. um, it's one uh, area that encompasses a lot of kinds of, of intimacy and experiences and spawns uh, intimacy with ourselves as a reflection of our partner. Right. So, um, you know, I think of those things as separate. Some people need uh, a, a good feeling, a, a grounding of emotional intimacy to really enjoy sex. And so, for some people, it, it isn't about that. You're gonna, they can have a great uh, night of sex with someone they barely know, you mm -hmm. know, so... I don't know if that answers your question. It does, yes. And I encourage anybody to check out that post if you want to read a little more about what she had to say about that topic. The next question says, does using a vibrator decrease sensitivity or stimulation over time? Great question. Very common question. The answer is, uh, there are two answers to this. One is that a vi using a vibrator for a long time over many years does not um, damage your nerves. That's a myth. There's no, like you're not numbing or decreasing your body's ability to respond to stimulation. However, when we get used to having an orgasm in any one particular way, so, you know, a vibrator provides a lot of stimulation. So you may find that when you don't use a vibrator, it takes a much longer time to have an orgasm, or maybe you don't reach orgasm. Um, you can retrain your body to have orgasms. It can take a while. Like, uh, you know, sometimes I work with women weaning off of vibrators for six months. Um, but weaning off process. Yeah. Well, because you have to, you have to retrain your body to right. respond to more subtle forms of stimulation and that can be done. Uh, there's no permanent damage there. Okay. Okay. Good to know. All right. Next question says lack of sexual drive. How do I get it back? And I'm piggybacking another similar question, which says, is it possible to increase your libido? I've found that post kids, it's just not on my radar as much. Oh, so normal. I'm, it, you know, th there are reasons for that. 
Um, you're busy raising kids. You're probably exhausted. Your uh, identity has changed, you know, with your with your partner or just in your own self. You're you're not, you know, you're not lovers anymore. Your parents or you yourself are sort of steeped in the the demands of that identity as mom. Um, you absolutely can and will get your sex drive back if it's something that is important to you. Um, sometimes, you know, it it this is why they always say that women in their fifties are like on fire all of a sudden it's because <laughs> it's like the kids are gone. The job is done. Now it's about me again. Um, so, you know, I, it, it's sort of a, um, it depends if you're, if you're dealing with relational stuff or if you're dealing just with your own self, right. um, but your needs have changed and your body's changed and your body's response has changed. And all of that is normal and good. Like we tend to worship youth, you know, and that sort of crazy sex in the beginning of a relationship um, or early in our lives and, and sex can and will come back um, if you want it to. And it's also okay to sort of, um, except that it's not as big a priority for a while. Got it. All right. The next one, I guess it's kind of similar. My three-year-old just walked in the room. <laughs> Hold on one second. Thankfully, she doesn't understand what we're talking about. Go with the babysitter. Um, okay. This one is kind of similar, but without the kids. How to keep the spark after all these years? And can intimacy be restored in a marriage? Yeah. Um, Intimacy, again, you know, intimacy is something that uh, I, I'm going to take it that your your listener is asking about physical intimacy, but, you know, whatever kind of intimacy, it just needs to be cultivated and nourished. Um, uh, that's just something that whether it's emotional or physical or, or energetic, um, being present to each other and being curious about each other. That is, um, you just have to sort of make a decision just like, you know, going to the gym or drinking 64 ounces of water a day. Mm -hmm. um, um, in terms of a spark um, and, and having that sort of like fire in a relationship, yeah, um, you know, tease each other. Again, a lot of, so much of it is just deciding that you're going to see your partner as your lover, you know, just sort of a stepping into that mindset of, of like, yeah, it's much easier if you have a foundation of a time in your life where you were like super hot for each other. And then remember that. And, um, and again, like take the business of running a household or the, the sort of, um, all the history, the, the backlog of relational ruptures and resentments and hurt feelings and that time you did this and I can't let go of that and that ruined my sense of safety. And, you know, just find a way to, again, draw a line in the sand mm -hmm. and show up to each other as lovers. Um, it really helps to create that identity for, for the couple. Yeah. I like that. I like that tip of remembering who you were and just, I mean, you can, you can get back into that mindset if you just take a second and remember who you were before the responsibilities, the kids, the yada, yada. Um, okay. I'm going to do one more question. Ugh, I'll do two more. Yeah. Oh, but we'll, we'll do them quickly. Cause I want to talk about coral and I want to talk about Tantra. Um, I want to talk about glass dildos. 
Oh my God, can we not? Is that a real thing? Zoe, is that still a real thing? It's my favorite toy, personally. Glass? But I have- And I use them. I use I use glass dildos in my practice with my clients. I mean, I, I generally don't- Does I'm your not- therapy involve, are you like with a couple <laughs> as they're like doing it? Like what? Okay. I have, I have been. Um, yeah, I have been. When I said I use glass dildos, I don't mean that I'm the one actually. No, using I know, them. I know. But, but like, I have coaching that. Like, are you? Is there like I've never? I don't know anything about sex therapy. So tell us, like, maybe we should have discussed that. Like, people hear that and they're like, "Wait, are you going to be like yeah. the where people send you away and there's like a bunch of couples on the floor, <laughs> like getting busy?" That's not it, right? Well, it's, it's not it. It's, um, but I do have, I have had some, you know, retreats and, um, and worked with couples in that way. I mean, that is a possibility, but that's generally not what I do. Generally, I generally, actually, I mean, I coach people, individuals and couples all over the world on the phone. Oh, Um, oh, okay. Yeah. And, and if they prefer, um, we'll zoom and, and we'll see each other. Um, but, but phone is just fine for me. Glass. Um, I'm, I'm horrified at this thought. I don't know why I've never heard of this before. Well, it's, it's not just like, you know, window pane glass, non shatterproof <laughs> glass, you know, it's a, it's a, you know what Pyrex is? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, it's like Pyrex. Okay. Um, so it's the reason why I love glass dildos for me personally, they're it's cold. So I love that. I love that sensation. That's a really, um, it's just a very erotic stimulating sensation to me. I also like glass though, for when I'm working with women, I, I ran for many years and I might revive it coming up a program, a 12 week program group program for women um, called Holy Sexy You. And we really dive into their bodies and their, um, and the energy, how sexual energy manifests in the body. And it's just sort of an overhaul for empowering sexuality for, for women. The glass dildo is so wonderful for, um, exploring, um, pleasure spots in the body because it's very easy to distinguish what is you and what the, what is the dildo? It's hard, it's slippery. um, It's cool to the touch and there's no mistaking what you're experiencing in there. Like you're either you or you're the dildo. Um, (laughs) When you use cyber skin or something, it's, it gets confusing. Oh my so, God, this is something, like, I honestly have never heard of that, and I'm really fascinated. Okay. Um, uh, and you know you don't recommend brands. You were very clear about, like... Well, I, I will recommend, I will recommend this, um, I do love lovehoney.com, and the dildo that I, it's inexpensive, it's like $25-ish, um, and it's a slimline G-spot, um, glass dildo. We'll find it and link it in show notes, guys. Love it. This is breaking news for me. I feel like I'm being educated on things that don't exist. This is this last question, Zoe. I don't know if you are feel interested in in answering this because I don't know if there is an answer, but I'm going to ask it anyway. My wife and I are trying to conceive. Is there a best position? Um, 
I'm not an expert on this. There yeah. are people who are much more qualified to answer this, but from my understanding, if you, <laughs> the deeper you can yeah. come inside of your wife, the closer to the um, uterus, the better. Okay. Um, I certainly, there are millions of people who have gotten pregnant from, you know, the pull-up method. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. In fact, the little person that just walks you to the room is walking proof of that. So, oh, goodness. Okay. Actually, you know what? This one is really good, and I promise, promise, this is the last one, and then we're going to talk about coral. Is it wrong to fake it? That is, like, the shortest, most concise question, and I had to get that in. Um, I, I'm not about shaming anybody who fakes it. Um, I, I think that there are, I think, you know, if women are honest, I don't think there's a woman alive who hasn't faked an orgasm. Um, and it's often, uh, you know, a kind thing to do if you're not going to get there and you don't want to hurt feelings. And it's also, um, it's also a, a sort of self-protective thing to do when you don't want to just have that conversation and it's not going well and you don't, right? Right. Um, I would encourage, I mean, for the good of the of of womankind and and men as well, um, I think it's the the less you can fake an orgasm, the better we're all gonna be. Um it's part of, you know, what we started this conversation with um, sort of educating people that bodies work a certain way or don't work a certain way. And that sex isn't just about orgasm. When we make the goal of sex to be orgasm, we rob ourselves of the opportunity for tremendous pleasure along the way. And sex, the you know, sex is not a failure if there's no orgasm at the end of it for either partner. Mm -hmm. um, it can be a, a really loving, nourishing, wonderful, exciting experience of just having a prolonged state of, of arousal and pleasure. So, well, we got through most of the questions. So guys, if you sent one in, thank you very, very much. Um, I want to ask before we go, Zoe, about Coral, because I actually found you through someone who works with the app and this is really fascinating to me. So tell us what the app is and how it's different from other intim like intimacy tools and apps on the market. Yeah. Coral is, um, Fabulous. I'm so excited to be on the Coral team. Um, Coral is basically a sex coach in your pocket. It's like if you um, if you want to sort of are not ready to dive in with a sex therapist or a sex coach, um, you can download Coral and use it to um, get that experience. Um, so there's learning, there are lessons, it's a wealth of information about, you know, all kinds of topics about sex and sexuality and your body. And, um, and then there are exercises. So for instance, you can, um, you can do a guided meditation to get you in touch with your sexuality and your sexual feelings and energy or to relax before sex or, um, to uh, to heighten, you know, your sort of sensual awareness. There's also exercises where we do, like you can put your, your headphones in and 
um, we will guide you through giving a blowjob or, um, you know, pleasuring your partner orally or a number of different, um, yeah, there it is. Um, a number of different sort of sex acts that we sort of guide you through. Um, and there are discussion boards and we have events, we have live events, um, date nights, and uh, we're talking about adding some events for people who are not in relationship. So it's, um, it's a really wonderful resource. I'm awesome. very proud of it. From what we understand, it's about to launch to everybody. It's like you said in beta right now. So if you're watching this live or if you're, I guess if you're listening to this later, definitely the app store. It's actually, Coral has been available to the public and we have, um, I don't know, half a million users um, who we, we launched a little over a year ago. Mm -hmm. um, we are just sort of redesigning, revamping and adding a ton of features. And that is in beta for probably another week. So Got you it. can go download Coral, just know that you're gonna get a, a, a brand new Coral in a week or two, so. Oh, cool, all right. Yeah. Branding, by the way, sucker for good branding. And those yeah. things are really good. Yeah. Uh, okay, <clears throat> excuse me. I wanted to dive into Tantra, but I feel like we don't have time, but you did mention that is a specialty of yours. So as the final question, it's like a brief kind of description of what that is. If people wanna learn more about that as a way to improve their sex lives, where to go and look. Yeah, that's great. Um, there's a great book called Urban Tantra. Um, so look that uh, Barbara Corellis is uh, the author and um, Urban Tantra is probably my favorite Tantra book out there. Um, tantra, it's it's impossible to, to talk about Tantra without mentioning that it's, uh, Tantra is not really in its original form in, in the jungles of Southern mm -hmm. India. It's not really about sex although it's, it's a very deep and mystical um, sort of practice and philosophy. Um, and sex acts, um, you, you sort of experience the divine through the body, through the sensations of the body and through pleasure. So, um, so in this country we have, or in sort of Western society, we have what's called Neo-Tantra, which takes the sexual practices and isolates them and uses them as a form of sort of sexual self-improvement. Um, and so Tantra is really about, you know, when I talk about energetic intimacy, that's really rooted in Tantra, being mm -hmm. present to each other, um, using the breath, slowing things down, um, really sort of immersing in the sensual, the sensations of sex. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a great practice and it really does um, cultivate intimacy on a number of levels, so. Well, we'll put that in show notes as well, that book, Urban Tantra. Um, Zoe, you are just a delight. I'm really grateful that you took time to share your wisdom. Can you tell us where, in addition to the Coral app, we might be able to connect with you and follow you? Thank you. I am um, zoecores.com and um, my Instagram, I love Instagram. Um, that I have great community and great followers over on Instagram. We have great conversations. So uh, at zoecores on Instagram. Awesome. Thank you yeah. so much. Thank I you for having me. It's such a pleasure. 
Oh wait, Hello. Rachel. Wait, yeah. I have two questions. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Not necessarily personal questions. Um, when you do your coaching um, with a client, how does that starts with obviously having a conversation with the couple? Let's say it's a couple, and that starts with the advice you gave about. Um, getting intimate, dedicating time with one another, making that line in the sand to just focus on that. And then can you give us an example of once people get past that step, what are some of the physical exercises you offer couples once you get to that place where they're ready to, to make the next leap? Yeah, thanks. That's a great question. Um, one of the things that I find is important for almost every couple is to separate out um, and experience and play with separating out the giving and receiving. So I have them take turns. One partner gives and the other receives wholly. Um, and there's actually an exercise called holy giving, holy receiving that's based on touches on that. Um, but whether it's oral pleasure, manual pleasure, um, just a massage, whatever the parameters of the receive and give, um, separate that out so that we can learn to, to the, the hard part is the receiving part, inevitably for people to just receive and just get intimate with what's happening to their body and, um, and their partner, it's an opportunity for their partner to really learn when they're not distracted by their own arousal to really learn about their partner's body um, and feel into that and connect into that. Um, it's almost a conversation between your body and your partner um, and then switch it, but do it, switch it on another night. Um, so that's an exercise that I use. Um, I also do a lot of, um, eye gazing and uh, connecting in that way where um, it's a really powerful, it's unbelievably awkward and uncomfortable at first. And that, that you sort of break through that wall of, of awkwardness and it becomes really um, uh, emotionally intimate and bonding. Um, that and, you know, sort of a regular hugging practice um, I think is really therapeutic for almost any couple. Wake up, you know, the last thing you do before you go on your day is just a hug, just hug. And and not like a, you know, like a real hug. Um, I always say like, take three deep breaths together. Just feel that, feel each other's heartbeat. And don't even say anything, you know, like do that before you go on your separate days, even if you're in the same apartment or house, um, during the pandemic, you know, just start your day that way. And when you come back from work after your day, rejoin each other and with a hug like that. Sunny's going to add that to her repertoire of making her husband yeah. stare at her. Yeah. No, I, I'm such a weirdo. Like, I think it was maybe last week, I, I was talking about this interview coming up and I was like, you know, like, there's just like one simple exercise. Like I want to just like, let's just look in each other's eyes. He's like, I mean, God love him. He always goes along with whatever I ask him to do. And I mean, even for someone who's been with someone for what, 11 or 12 years now, you do regain a sense of intimacy that you can get lost in day-to-day -day life. So we do that and we hug. I'm, we always love it. end with a hug. So, so 
simple things that I feel like are just so easy to do. They're easy to do. And, and, um, you just, you just have to do it. You know, again, it's like the drinking water. I've started right. drinking 64 ounces of water a day and my body is completely different. Like I was having joint, I'm 57. So I had joint pain and all kinds of stuff that miraculously went away. But like, I, I'm going to drink while you talk. Yeah. I have to, I really have to, um, <laughs> we've all got it. our giant bottles we have water. to do it you know and so the the hug thing is like just do it you know yeah. it's not a it doesn't have to be a big thing um right. i need to mention though this is really valuable information one of the things in coral that we're launching now is a partner chat feature which is like you link your accounts and you get a private chat room and we prompt you to do things like hug your partner or tell your partner three things that you love about them today. Oh or like, yeah, we sort of feed you um, these, these prompts and they, they each, um, we have like um, pillars of intimacy and sexual wellness, like um, sensual awareness or communication or empathy building. And so we take you on a little, like it's usually about, five days of prompts and any one pillar to cultivate that sort of like write your take everything you learned this week about your partner and write them a love note and stick it to the bathroom mirror oh, that kind of stuff that's I love that. a great idea yeah, yeah. so okay. that will that will help sort of stoke that sure romance. I'm sorry, this is the last one. To, and it's gonna wrap it I'm up. I'm here. I love it. <laughs> it's gonna put I, it's gonna put a little bow on the beginning of the conversation of talking about sex toys. So growing up, I don't know any parent or it was not part of the world and the childhood of other kids that I grew up with where um part of the sex talk is not about self pleasure and self-exploration and yeah. self-awareness. Yeah. Um, do you find that that's where a big part of the issues long-term then can come into play as we begin to be adults and get into relationships? And then how and when are you supposed to tell children, mm. not children, young adults, teens about this? Like are parents supposed to be buying their children sex toys no yeah like what is that look like because i feel like if we started at a younger time that could alleviate a lot of the issues that we see in adulthood uh it's a great question and i have um only one opinion about this there are other experts that might say something different so i just want to share that this is this is not a universal truth um, I, I feel like the introduction of sex toys is, um, should, should not happen too soon. Um, uh, sex toys are great, but there's, um, an, there's an intimacy with your own body that can be sort of eclipsed by the entertainment, so to speak, right. with a sex toy. Um, I, you know, one of the things that was so wonderful for me was that I had a general doctor when I was in high school, a woman who also did my pap smears and a bunch of my friends went to her. She was sort of a, you know, progressive 
sort of hippie doc. She wasn't hippie, but that kind of vibe, feminist. And um, she showed us a mirror. She like held a mirror down and like gave us a guided tour of our vaginas and vulvas. Um, and so one of the things when my daughter, um, she's listening to this, she'll kill me. But when she was, she's 23 now, almost 24. When she was probably 15, 16, I gave her 14 maybe. Um, I gave her a, a hand mirror and a tub of coconut oil and told her to go, you know, inspect herself. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm shocked. Let me hop in. I'm shocked how many people don't know what's up with their vaginas. I'm like, yeah. How do you not know what's where? Like you are a, sometimes with kids. I'm like, I mean, not that I'm some sort of expert, but I, I do think like the stigma of like getting to know, maybe it's because it's hard to see because like you do need a mirror yeah. to get full access, but it's such a strange and like forbidden topic that we end up really handicapping ourselves and our ability to experience pleasure. And it shouldn't, it shouldn't be that way. We are taught that we are, that we smell, that we need, you know, all kinds of products to make us more palatable. It, it's really, it's such a, I mean, that's again, like have me back on and we'll talk about the history yeah. and sociology of vaginas, but it's, um, yeah, there's, I mean, you know, we have a lot to overcome in sure. embracing our bodies as they are. So I, I, you know, to get back to your question, I feel that, um, you know, I have a 14 year old son. He just turned 14 on Sunday and he, he, he like lovingly makes fun of me, sits down at my desk and says, hi, I'm mommy Coors and I get paid to talk about vaginas all day. <laughs> just, just destigmatize. And he has his boundaries, you know, I mean, I recently um, said to him, you know, you could talk to me about anything about sex. And he's like, okay, good to know. <laughs> you know, like, it's not that I need to know everything, but I want him to know everything. Yeah. And I want him to know that, like, you know, it's okay. Sex is, it exists. And it's, and it's healthy, and it's normal, and, and it's enjoyable, you know? So sharing those messages when you yeah. have the proverbial sex talk with a child of age uh, saying yeah. that it's healthy, it's okay, you can explore yourself and, you know, you might one day want to explore the bodies of another man yeah. or woman or, or whatever. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. I was just curious because it kind of sort of connects the dots for me. Yeah, at least. it does. I think also I heard a, um, a, a woman in one of my workshops one time um, had a, a, a son who she who had discovered inadvertently discovered pornography on the Internet. Mm. And he was and they were dealing with this and she was masterful at dealing with it and processing that with him. And and explaining, you know, what he had seen and what is real and what is not real, what is, you know, like, and one of the things that he said to her is, I feel like my body really wanted to see that, but my, but emotionally, I, I wasn't ready. Oh. Like my mind doesn't want to see it, but my body wanted to see it. 
what did she say to, uh, I want to say keep him away from that, but you know, what did she say to moderate his expectations? She just said that's normal and, and what? Normal. To feel that way. To feel that way, yes. Right. And as you get older, you will, like your body is just waking up to this. Right. And your, you know, your mind, your heart hasn't really caught up yet. And that world will be there waiting for you when you are ready for that. That's really good. Yeah, I was impressed and I, I I never forgot it. You know, the idea that at that age, as you're sort of coming coming of age, that you can that your body and your sort of emotions and, and your mind are are can be on very different levels. And isn't that really what adolescence is all about? Gosh, yeah. Puberty. A giant period of discord, we call yeah. it. <laughs> Um, all right, I'm done. I promise, right. I'm done. <laughs> right. I could stay here all day. This is I'm, I'm in my happy place. This is so <laughs> I mean, you know, these conversations are important to have, and you know, sometimes when we're promoting these topics on the show, sometimes people are like, "Oh, you know, way to catch people's attention," but it's really not salacious. It's part of who we are and how we connect with others. And you know, I know on this show, what what I try to do is just bring these topics down to a level where people can get comfortable. I mean, the things that we were able to ask that people were comfortable asking is testament to me that, you know, there's sometimes like a little lack of knowledge here. So um, I'm just grateful that you were so open with your wisdom and your time. So we will be checking out your website. We will be checking out the Coral app and we will be following you on social as well. Thank, Thank you. you so much, Sunny. Such a pleasure. Thank you. Have a great day. Oh, guys, that was such a good episode. Um, it was long, and I'm so grateful. If you stayed with us through the whole thing, thank you so much. Um, that is truly what we're here for. You know, I was doing a little thinking with someone that I work with um, on branding for my show and really trying to get to the core of what it is that I bring you and that Rachel brings you every week on We Gotta Talk. And I just want you to know that I am so grateful that you spend time asking questions, interacting with our experts, because at the end of the day, this is what this is. It's an info source. I jokingly say I'm an info dealer, right? Like I find the people and I bring it to you. Um, we all are better when we um, share stories, when we normalize discussions that sometimes can be uncomfortable and when we get down to the core of things. So I just want you to know that as we go on through the rest of the year here, um, you've probably noticed a little bit of a different format on the blog. We are dedicating a just one topic a week now so that we can truly, truly dive in. So when you go to the site, the content there is going to be all about what that topic is. And we're really going to continue to dive deep. If you have a topic that you want to know more about, just DM me. Follow me on Instagram at Sunny Abata, spelled on the bottom of your screen, S-O-N-N-I-A-B-A-T-T-A. Let me know what is a topic that you want to hear more about or that you would like to hear an expert's opinion about. Um, we're going to keep this sort of uh, journalistic edge to this podcast and to this um, talk show through the year. We're always bringing in people who know more than us because that's how we get better. Thank you for listening. If you are listening on the podcast, please do take a moment and leave a five-star rating, especially on Apple Podcasts. That helps a tremendous amount. If you leave a review, it helps even more. We're trying to get to 100 reviews by the end of February, and I know we can get there. So please do that. Thank you for listening. We got is where you go for all of the written articles on these topics. And I'll see you guys next week with more goodness. Bye.